realized I have to get bigger. And we ended up uh, after a bunch of research, I did a 10 to one exchange into a 24 unit in Ohio. Kind of like amazing how you sell one house in San Diego and you buy a 24 unit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> mind boggling. Yeah. And that was, you know, a huge experience for me to fully get on board and understanding, you know, I did all of the walkthroughs of all 24 units with Nick and, mm-hmm. you know, we got to see the ins and outs of, you know, this is a C-class property that we bought. Right. Um, it's very blue collar. It's in Ohio. And it, you know, it, it was our first multifamily asset. Welcome back, everyone, to the Passive Road to Retirement podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Jarrett. Today, we're joined by Nick and Jamie Cooper. Nick saw the power of cash flowing assets with his single family rentals, but was ready to scale. He sold his remaining single family in San Diego and got Jamie on board to reinvest in real estate on a larger scale. Today, they purchased a 24-unit apartment complex in Ohio to create passive income. In the first year, they optimized systems and as a result, doubled the property's value. They saw firsthand the power of multifamily real estate investing as an opportunity to create passive income and build wealth for their family. Nick brings a pilot's precision and analytical mind to multifamily real estate with over 22 years as a military helicopter pilot. Jamie delivers an unwavering resolve towards producing results and an innate ability to build relationships with a decade in medical sales. Jamie and Nick saw that their skills would be the perfect fit for multifamily real estate investing. Nick and Jamie, welcome to the show. It's great to have you guys on here. Andy, thanks, my friend. Thank you. We are so excited. Excited to have you guys on. So I wonder if uh, maybe if you guys can each give a little bit more, you know, detailed background and, and how you got into multifamily as well. Yes, we would love to. Well, do you want to go first? You can go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I got it into it because of Nick. So we, um, you know, when we first started dating, Nick had some single family rentals here in San Diego where we currently live. Mm-hmm. And he was in, you know, a helicopter pilot, like you were just saying in the Navy. Um, and I had kind of the mindset of, okay, well, I'm saving up to buy a house. And he was like, oh, awesome. So once you buy a house, then what? <laughs> and my mindset was, you know, what do you mean, then what? Right. Um, it, it hadn't really dawned on me that, you know, there's people out there like yourself, like Nick, like many people that, you know, are looking at homes and buying property as assets, not liabilities. And (laughs) as you know, and, you know, many people have found out that having a home is great, but it is a liability. You know, it's an emotional buy. Your money is not making you money. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, that was a very new concept to me when we met and Nick was very patient and kind of slowly gave me books and podcasts and started. Slow drip. Yeah, started (laughs) slowly kind of feeding those little nuggets to me and giving me resources to educate myself. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I totally shifted my mindset. And um, it, I think, further shifted Nick's where he was like, okay, I'm ready to sell off the last of the single family rentals in San Diego. And I want to get in multifamily. And you thought Mm -hmm. it was crazy. I I totally thought it was (laughs) crazy. (laughs) And even though I was like, okay, he's someone who um, is very, you know, he does a lot of research before he makes the move. And so even him saying that I knew, you know, he's, he's someone who is big in the numbers and will, you know, to, 
to an exhaustive amount, do <laughs> research before he makes the decision and jumps in. And so the fact mm. that he was saying something like, let's take all of our you know, money out of California and invest it out of state in multifamily. Yeah. I thought it was a little bit crazy. <laughs> You're like, you must have done but, his um, research, Yeah, right? I guess take over <laughs> on how that happened. Yeah, so I did, you know, I, I've had in the military kind of my default, as you move, you acquire a rental if you buy a house. So pretty much at the end of 15 years, I had a couple of rentals and I did the math real quick one time and I was making like $100 a month and I had all this debt equity just sitting there. I was like, man, this is, this is not even a business. So right. did some quick research. I looked online, reached out, read some books, and then decided within about a week that I was selling my, my single family rental that I had. Well, decided to try and pitch me on the yeah. idea, which <laughs> was probably like the biggest, I would say, hurdle. Mm-hmm. Because if you own in California, people are like, you've made it, you know, like right. you have a home, like you yeah. have made it. You are the American dream times 10 <laughs> if you own in California. Yeah. And he owned a home and he's like, yeah, but do you want to live in this home forever? It's not our dream home. Right. And he was right. It wasn't, you know, at that time he was a bachelor. And when we had met and renting the home out as a rental, it wasn't mm-hmm. somewhere either of us saw ourselves living. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, it's like the ego versus what's the best use of your capital. And it was very clear on that front alone. I think just touching on what Jamie said is that it made you feel good that you had this property here in San Diego. That didn't make any money. It felt (laughs) good. Yeah. You know, so I just did the really quick math and like realized I have to get bigger. And we ended up uh, after a bunch of research, I did a 10 to one exchange into a 24 unit in Ohio. Kind of like amazing. how You sell one house in San Diego and by a 24 unit, yes. Mind-boggling. And that was, you know, a huge experience for me to fully get on board and understanding, you know, I did all of the walkthroughs of all 24 units with Nick. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we got to see the ins and outs of, you know, this is a C-class property that we bought. Um, It's very blue collar. It's in Ohio. And it, you know, it it was our first multifamily asset. And it was also just such an eye-opening experience to, you know, go from thinking I was going to put my capital towards one home in San Diego to mm-hmm. then expanding that to be like, wow, we can buy 24 units for, <laughs> you know, very close to the same price yeah. and be cash flowing every month, not a hundred dollars like he was, but thousands, right. which yeah. is just such a novel idea to someone who grew up with the mindset of like, you go to college, you got a good job, you, you know, have your, your 401k, your insurance, all of the things that, you know, the typical mindset and typical teachings teach you are success. And that's so far from really what success is. And that was such a shift. And I'm so grateful that I did meet him at a time where I was able to hear that and open Mm -hmm. to, you know, learning more about a different mindset than what we're, you know, traditionally taught. So yeah, so on your, so the 24 unit, did you like it better? Because you can kind of control your your appreciation versus, you know, it's NOI versus the house next door that sold for this amount? Yeah, I think that you you look at um, like single family, you, what it is, is is my values turned by like, hey, the person across the street bought this house. Now your house is worth this. Whereas in multifamily, it's pretty much turned by like, it's a business. So it's valued right. as a business. So your NOI, your net operating income, what it makes is the, is the value. Mm-hmm. So and things like that you can call like forced appreciation, which you can, you know, increase, increase rents, reduce expenses, and it becomes more valuable in that way. So to give you an idea, like we increased when we first bought the uh 
24 unit, rents were about, you know, 430, 420 or so. Mm-hmm. And we increased it to close to 700. And that wow. increased the value by over a million. Yeah. What'd you guys just, do for the value add? Just go in, change out countertops, stuff like that? Or what'd you guys do? Pretty much just in place. So as people left it, left, we pretty much just uh, did a, a light turn and maybe a couple wow. couple improvements here, but not it's much a, at all. It's in pretty good shape um, overall. And it's, it's a cool um, model in the sense that it's a bunch of duplexes. So mm-hmm. um, that makes it, you know, I would say we like that in the sense that if you have to replace a roof or you have to replace, you know, certain things, they're on two units rather than a massive building. Right. Yeah. Properties. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so a million in a year compared to California, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was about, it was about two years. So yeah, we just did a, a cash or refi of that. So and then it ended up being like, as many people do, you buy the property with like a local community bank. Mm-hmm. So it's usually a bit of a higher, of a higher interest rate and a shorter term. So we went from a, you know, mid fours, like 4.5 rate, 20 year term to a 30 year and a high of like a 3.8 term or, or rate. So that's yeah. just, and that was able to make us cash flow pretty much what we're, we're making like, you know, before that and pull out mm-hmm. the capital. Nice. Could you maybe go into a little more detail on the loan, like how you structured it? And I'm assuming it was probably a bridge loan, right? End up, end up uh, it was community, community loan at first or community bank loan. So okay. local bank, local banker. And then that moved on to a Freddie small balance loan, which we call agency debt. So that's long-term secured, a secured rate. So mm-hmm. a 10 year term. And they also gave us interest only for three years, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Nice. And the other one before was not interest only. Okay. All right. Cool. Now, how do you think your background as a helicopter pilot, Nick, uh, helps you in multifamily now? I think like Jamie said, is that you pretty much know you do all the, you know, all the pre-planning, all the stuff for your mission, you get everything kind of set out and then like, all right, we're going, but you got to make sure you're all set or you don't go. Mm-hmm. So a lot of missions we canceled just because we didn't have a lot of information and we didn't have all the requirements and we canceled. Or the weather. Yeah. Or the weather, all that stuff. So with this mm-hmm. one, it's like, when you know, you know, and you, and you go for it. Yeah. Just like the underwriting, something doesn't work out, just kill it, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's being, makes me very deliberate mm-hmm. what's made me. He's very deliberate. Definitely yeah. <laughs> everything he does, you know, I'm kind of like fly by the seat of my pants. Everything mm-hmm. he does is with intention and uh, a lot of thought and process. And I think that's why we're, you know, a good team. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're, you know, trusting tens of thousands of dollars right. with someone, uh, you know, you want, the, you want the person in the driver's seat or mm-hmm. in this case, you know, the helicopter seat <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> you know, have that type of minds uh, set and also just being deliberate in general with how they're, you know, a pillar of their own capital and yours. Mm -hmm. That's a great, yeah, I totally agree. And Jamie, how do you think your medical background uh, and the sales has helped you with, has it helped you raise capital? So I definitely, yeah, I definitely didn't see myself transitioning into this. Um, I've been in medical sales. I studied public health and marketing. I have worked within the medical field since I was 16 in some type of marketing sales position. Um, And now I work in, you know, uh, pharmaceuticals and it's basically talking to people all day, you know, like that's what you do. Yes. You're selling uh, an understanding of a medication and, but you're also selling essentially yourself, you know, you're, you're connecting with humans. That's Mm -hmm. the, that's the biggest no matter what you're talking about, any type of sales, if you know how to connect with someone, 
that goes farther than anything. And I think having so much practice doing that and being in so many different situations has been really helpful to apply to now doing real estate with, you know, Nick and um, just dealing with a lot of different owners from, you know, before we even have gotten something under a contract, reaching out and I've done cold calling and I have yeah. no, no fear there. You know, I actually really awesome. enjoy it. I see it as a challenge. And, mm-hmm. um, and then on the operating side, it's just, you know, human connection, dealing with our property management, knowing how to navigate, uh, you know, when we're doing some CapEx projects and negotiating different contracts and just different, I think yeah. overall sales, no matter what your background can be applied in real estate to help you on every facet combined with Nick's, you know, deliberate mindset of numbers and his kind of geeky way of knowing how to do all the things from a number standpoint. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. They always say, if you want to learn one skill in life, sales is the best one to learn, right? Agree. You can sell, you can pretty much do anything. Yeah. So now you guys just syndicated a deal in Texas, right? Recently. Uh, maybe you can kind of go into the specifics of that and, and how that worked out and, and what you guys are doing. Yeah. So we went from, you know, the 24 unit, which was just our capital. And we really were, it was a very deliberate decision to not, you know, do a syndication or take investors and mm-hmm. have it just be our capital for the first one, because right. yes, Nick had, you know, 20 years of experience. In, it was single family. Yeah. So in single not, family. Doesn't equate totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we didn't have experience in multifamily. And so taking this first project on, it was very intentional to just have it be our capital because we expected there would probably be some fumbles or there would probably be some learning curve things that, you yeah. know, in taking on a syndication, you're, you know, taking on a huge responsibility when you're accepting other people's capital. And mm-hmm. for us, we wanted to make sure we had a few years under our belt and had a proven track record, which, you know, after doing the refi, we do, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of led us to then, you know, explore more within this space and, um, you know, Mr. Numbers guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did all the underwriting and was like, okay, he's underwritten probably, I don't know, 300 plus deals in the mm-hmm. year and a half prior. And there just wasn't something. And then. Yeah. I think when you underwrite so much, you, when you see something, you, you kind of know, and this is, we realized that, you know, Texas is just, you follow the demographics, people are moving there. And then it, it made sense as far as the, the price realized that it was a absent, you know, owner that was ignoring it, it was distressed, you know, need a new roof, those type of things. So we're about seven months into it. So it's been, I want to say it's more of a medium to heavy value add. And so it's kind of like, you know, requires a lot more attention. So mm. I am down there, you know, once, once a month, yeah. I've slept in a vacant unit, kind of check it out. <laughs> uh, and those, those all those things. So it's pretty much, you got to realize that you got to do what, what it takes to make this thing go. Cause it's true. like, I think about as like from a, pos- a pilot's perspective, excuse me, is that we're all on the same plane. We're going the same place, but I'm driving it. So we all mm-hmm. want to the destination. Right. So I look at it that way. It's like, Hey, like I got to make sure this thing gets there, take off safely. Cause mm-hmm. everyone's always happy about the closing, but we also going to land the plane. Right. That's true. And this one yeah. has been, you know, uh, a lot different of a purchase than our previous Ohio property. It's been, mm-hmm. you know, a lot more deferred maintenance um, just with, with, you know, the added challenges of COVID and, where we're at in Corpus, um, this property, it's like one of, it was like one of the top five hotspots for, you know, a year plus of Mm -hmm. active places of COVID. So 
I would say, you know, the amount of people that worked on our property, 90% of them at some point would be like, Oh, we, you know, (laughs) our crew has COVID and so that, you know, delayed things. And, um, but there's just been, we've learned so much even in the last seven months with this syndication. And it was a great opportunity for us to exercise, you know, raising money in addition to running the, you know, asset, which we had done, Mm-hmm. but we hadn't raised money before. And, um, you know, we did raise way over what we had, you know, needed to, which was yeah. great. You know, we didn't, I think a lot of people thought we were crazy a few years ago when we <laughs> sold the house in San Diego and kind of was like, okay, we'll just sit on the sidelines and see how this plays out for you guys. And then, yeah. you know, when you refi out, you know, uh, you know, more than half a million dollars, people are all of a yeah. sudden very interested in yeah. getting involved and <laughs> yeah. want to be a part of it. With you guys, you know, right? on, yeah. yeah, exactly. And get on the team. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's like the whole saying, it took me 10 years to be an overnight success, you know? Right, exactly. Yep. Yeah, so I think, sure. you know, the syndication came more naturally in the sense that we had so many friends and family and colleagues and doctors I work with and just people asking, you know, well, how's that property going you guys bought and what's going on there? And, you know, again, people who had a similar mindset to me of just, you know, you buy your house and you work your job and mm-hmm. you have your 401k and that's that. But, you know, if you look at people that have created long-term wealth, that's typically not what they're doing. They're typically entrepreneurs and they're in some, some type mm-hmm. of real estate. Right. So um, I think people are, are becoming more open and interested in that. And especially when you have friends or family that are doing it successfully, right. like we you know, showed. So that's kind of how the syndication naturally kind of came to be. Especially when you do that refinance and you tell them it's tax free, they probably were exactly. shocked to hear that. Well, they kind of like tax deferred, technically, but yeah, yeah. It's free right. is the best way to describe it. You know? Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> so, what kind of loan terms did you guys get? Was it a community bank or was it uh, different? You know, different than the uh, bridge debt. So, bridge loan, which is usually a higher rate. So, mm-hmm. we also had them pay for all our capex or or our or pretty much our improvements or whatnot. So, need a lot of work. So, we got a bridge debt, you know, mid sixes rate, uh, interest only. So it was, that's kind of what the going rate was now. I think it's even, mm-hmm. even worse now about a year late or eight months later. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, what do you guys have learned from these two deals? Uh, I guess, what was your worst moment either putting the deal together or maybe in something with asset management that you can share uh, for the audience? Oh, worst moment, huh? Uh I think like there hasn't been one big moment. I think it's more, you know, we have such pressure to make sure it succeeds from a syndication, you know, from the syndication more Mm -hmm. so than just the first one, because we, you know, these are friends, family, colleagues. Also, we we are the largest investor too. We always invest in whatever we buy, including the syndications, whether we're running them or not. Um, But we are running this one. And we did put in, you know, a large amount of our own capital. So mm-hmm. um, I would say the it's not one thing. It's more just making sure that, you know, we're doing everything in our power to make sure that this asset succeeds and we produce the numbers that, you know, we, we promised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So now looking, looking back, say, Jamie, if you go back to your 18 year old self, right. Knowing what Nick kind of showed you, would you do anything different or would you, you know, keep this? Oh, heck yeah. yeah. Heck yes. Uh, that 401k match that, you know, my, my first company promised out outside of college that I was so excited about. Um, I guess at 18, I was still in college, but 
yeah, at 18, honestly, I would have, I would have gone and worked for a big syndicator and like learned everything yeah. I could learn and <laughs> said whatever to college, probably. I don't know. You know, college mm-hmm. is great for a lot of things, but it doesn't teach, it doesn't teach you how to do this. And sure. exactly. Um, yeah, I would say I'd do that and I'd probably buy up all the all the property I could at 18. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. How about you, Nick? Uh, I think at 18, I would say get a high paying, a, a high paying job and pretty much use that money to get into real estate. I think if I can fast forward 10 years to more towards 28, I probably would have left my military career way earlier and mm-hmm. done this because eventually with the military, you know, we all retire, everyone has to move on, but the retirement of the military is nowhere near what you get when you're working full time. So yes. it, it is in a sense, a false retirement. So I think it's almost being set up you know, a decade prior than, you know, now I'm at, you know, my, my forties getting this, you know, getting really into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now also with your military background, uh, you have, I know you're up early, uh, quite, yeah. you know, pretty much every day. What, what kind of habits do you do that you think they help you become successful? You know, you're up what four thirty, I believe in the morning, right? Yeah. You called me, I think at, uh, at <laughs> eight, five o'clock or my time. So yeah, yeah I get up, uh, every weekday, I meet with a group of other entrepreneurs, not real estate related, and we go over like goal setting. Uh, we have accountability. It's an accountability group. Okay. So you go over that and you pretty much say where you track day prior, the week prior, month prior. And it's just a good way to keep you like accountability. So mm-hmm. I really love it. I've been doing it for about, it'll be almost two years uh, soon. So yeah, I've wow. been I'm a morning person now. I only need an alarm <laughs> clock. I wake up. Yeah, just wake right up. <laughs> How about you, Jamie? Any habits that you... uh, I mean, I'm definitely an early riser, not quite 4.30 in the morning like Nick. I'm more like 5.30, 5.45. And Mm -hmm. I mean, the first thing I do when I wake up is drink water and work out. And that's how I start my day. Yeah, Yeah, I drink a a bottle of water every time as soon as I wake up. It does help. Yeah, it's so good for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So if you... I have one more question for you guys. and We'll get into our five to thrive. Awesome. So for each of you, if you could step in my shoes for the interview, what's one question you would ask yourselves that I didn't ask you? Uh, I'd say, well, what happens after closing? (laughs) (laughs) That's when the fun begins, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's when pretty much you get on that. You don't know what the horse is going to do until you ride it. Mm -hmm. So the fucking Bronco could be anything. So everyone's at the closing table, high fives, posts on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. And the real work starts, you know, that day one is when business plan implemented. That's the work. It's all the back of the house stuff. Like there are so many things besides the raising money and closing that you have to do to run this. There's so Mm -hmm. many unsexy parts of it is I think what he's really alluding to too, you know, like it's so Mm -hmm. cool to say you closed on, you know, now we have a hundred plus units. Great. But how do you make sure those units succeed and you... Execute that business plan. (laughs) You know, you sold yourself and you sold everyone else on this plan. Now you have to execute it. And that looks like weekly calls with property management, daily calls in the beginning, uh, you know, calls that you have to rotor rooter out the whole sewer line and it's going to cost you 20 grand. And, you know, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) You know, there's so many, there's so many things that are not sexy and time consuming and Mm -hmm. what you didn't expect. That's yeah. like, that's where the real work is. Absolutely. Yes. And management makes or breaks a deal. That's for sure. It yeah. really does. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, if people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to, to get a hold of you guys? I'd say pretty much 
I gave my phone number. Yeah, so 619-990-8848. And I say email, but also just send me a text or a phone call. That's the best way. Yep. Okay. And then uh, we do have social media. We could probably be more active on it, but it's Hudson Blue <laughs> MF on Instagram. And then uh, we have our website, which is Hudson Blue MF dot com. Dot com. Awesome. Stands for multifamily, if you're wondering. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, <okay. laughs> um, but yeah, so I would say reach out by that. And uh, we we always love, you know, so many people have helped us along the way, whether it be a phone call or, you know, even just an exchange on email when we first started in this. And we love reaching, you know, when people reach out and we can add any value to anything they're doing on their path. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it'd be a great resource. I know you guys are both very helpful with everybody. So it'd be... I encourage everyone to reach out. Now we'll go, we'll go to our five to thrive, which awesome. is the rapid fire. Uh, just five words or phrases I'm going to list off. And I think, Jamie, we picked you to go first, right? Oh. Ladies, first. <laughs> Ladies first. So I'll ask you and then Nick, you can, you can answer afterwards. The only thing is you guys cannot repeat your answers. Ooh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right, here we go. So the first one is passive income. So I say whatever word comes first? Yeah, just like a word association. Whatever pops into your mind off that word. Ah, okay, okay. I get it now. <laughs> okay. Um, passive income. Freedom. Mm-hmm. Nick? That was me, mine. So <laughs> I would say lifestyle, which is kind of close to Jamie's. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Building wealth. What we're doing. <laughs> like, Real estate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Discipline. Waking up early. Uh, doing what we need to do, not what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's good. That's a good one. Asset management. A lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the same, but the I'd say the most important part. Yeah. Yeah, so. agree. Of the of the uh, the whole deal, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then your individual idea of financial freedom—what that means to you? Not having to check the boxes and doing things every day that matter. Not that you know, with most W twos. You're doing things you have to, not things you want to, or that you know move the needle forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it financial freedom would be options and same regards choice. So I think that choice. in this day and age, if you work for someone, you have to do what they want all the time. Whereas I work for myself, I we can not saying we do what we want, but overall, if you have that choice, that so you have those options. I think mm-hmm. that's something that people don't get. What do you receive in return for that paycheck? you have a choice. And I think that's something people really got to evaluate is, is like, you're not really free if you work for someone else the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Control your own time. Basically. I don't think either any of our answers were one word. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. good. They were good answers. <laughs> so, Well, guys, this has been a great interview and I really appreciate awesome. you taking the time to come on. Oh, we are so grateful for you and Andy, the community so much, you've built and everything you do. We're super inspired by. So we're so grateful to be a part of your, you know, your next you. venture. I'm hoping you guys are going to be down here in Florida soon enough. I can't wait. That's the plan. Yeah, we'll see, man. Soon. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. plan. Got to get out of California. These taxes are killing us. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Annie.